Father, we thank you always for the unchanging truth of your word. Thank you that it speaks of your love for us in Christ, but as well how your word reveals our sin, our sin even as Christians, calls us to repentance, reminds us of our need daily to to hear the gospel, and always to rest in Christ at the cross. Pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in each of our hearts today, Father, calling us uh, to a closer walk of faith with Jesus. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, every saved sinner uh, should be rejoicing as our church family sings the gospel-rich Christmas hymns proclaiming the gracious love of Christ the Savior. You know, as we sing the joyful Christmas hymns uh, together in worship on these Sundays leading up to Christmas, you know, savor the scriptural names for Christ. You know, we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, which means God with us. We sing, a glory to the newborn king. We sing, come and behold him, born of the king of angels. We sing, hail the heaven-born prince of peace, hail the son of righteousness. We sing, remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day uh, to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. O tidings of comfort and joy. You know, what a gospel joy to to sing these hymns together, but at Christmas there's hurting ones all around us. You know, those who are grieving who are lonely, who are tempted, who are depressed. And and what is the source of our hope? Here in Genesis 3, we see the Lord's provision of Christ the Savior, which gives hopeful assurance to hurting sinners. Why do we as sinners need the hopeful assurance of Christ the Savior? You know, first we see there's a grave problem, and then grave pain, but finally there's a gracious plan of salvation. I invite you to turn in your Bibles there to Genesis 3. We're going to move through this uh, quickly, moving uh, as swiftly as we can towards verse 20 and 21. No, but, but it begins with the grave problem of sin. It begins there, Genesis 3, verse 1, now the serpent. You know, up, up to this point, we've seen Genesis 1 and 2. I encourage you to read those. We've seen God's glorious work of creation. You know, God made uh, a home for man, it said in Genesis 1. Genesis 2, God made man at home in Genesis 3. Two, and now in Genesis 3, we see man's fall into sin. We see the serpent. You know, this serpent is a real representation of Satan. You know, Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, 
Uh, We read Revelation 12, verse 9, And the great dragon was thrown down to that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. You know, this isn't a myth. This isn't a fairy tale. Uh, This is a true historical account. He's described with one word. He's crafty. He's shrewd. He's cunning. He's deceptive. Elsewhere in scripture, he's the slanderer, the accuser, the father of lies. He fell first into sin in the spiritual world, and now he is uh, fixing to tempt Adam and Eve to sin. What's his strategy? It's a simple strategy. It's an unchanging strategy. He wants us to doubt the word of God, the promises of God. And he begins by probing Eve's knowledge of the word of God. You know, did God actually say? You know, is it written in the word, Eve? And as you follow through, he causes Eve to doubt God's word, to deny the truthfulness of God's word, to distrust God. You know, and his greatest lie is there in verse 4. You, you shall not surely die. You, you can sin with impunity. You know, God really doesn't care about sin. It's said that that's the serpent's first and greatest lie, that God himself is a liar. You know, you can't trust God. And Eve, her speech reveals her ignorance of God's word. Believe the culpability really lies with Adam. She doesn't quite quote God's command word for word. You can see it in Genesis 2 verse 17. She just said, we're not to eat of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden. No mention in God's command uh, against touching the fruit. And Eve, in verse 6 there, is tempted by the lust of the flesh, the lust of sight, uh, the lust of pride. It's comparable there to to, uh, Jesus' own temptation in the wilderness. And Eve sins. And some might say, well, she only committed one sin. God only gave one command. But Adam sinned with her. Yes, she was deceived. Yes, she became a transgressor. Yes, Adam sinned as well. He caved in uh, to sin's temptation as he ate of the forbidden fruit. In fact, we're told twice that Adam ate of the fruit. He's more guilty, as it were. There in verses 12 and 17, yes, Satan was right. The eyes of both of them were open. Immediately they knew they were naked. That's an important theme. You you see it there in verses 7 and 10 and 11. Uh, The Reformation Study Bible has a note, great note. If you're looking, by the way, I don't get a commission, but that's a great Christmas present. Reformation Study Bible. Their footnote says this, nakedness suggests weakness, need, and humiliation uh, were exposed. You, you remember Job. 
Thereafter, all of his great losses, Job 121, then Job arose, arose, tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked shall I return. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And what was their fallen response to the shame of sin? As I told the children, they they sewed together fig leaves. I almost called someone. I know some of you have fig trees. I can't imagine that. They said that's the first profession in the Bible, by the way. Uh, Sewing. Uh, Sewing fig leaves together. But it's, it's a works righteousness. You know, they're trying to cover their own sin, their own shame, by their own good works. You know, contrast that with verse 21. We're going to come to that here in, in a minute. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. And, and really there's the only two options for us still living in this sin-fallen world today. Either we're trying to cover our own nakedness, our own sinfulness with our own fig leaves, or we are receiving God's gracious garments you know, his gift of life eternal. You know, the greatest Christmas hymns contain the glorious gospel truths about sin and our need for a Savior. Our first hymn today, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, church has been singing that down through the centuries. But listen to that third verse again. O come, thou rod of Jesse, the descendant of Jesse, who was the father of David, pointing us ahead to Christ. O come, thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny, from depths of hell thy people save, and give them victory o'er the grave. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. You know, in Genesis 3, we learn of Adam and Eve's grave problem of sin. You know, but we as honest and hurting sinners see our sin problem too. You know, we doubt God's word. We disobey his loving and life-giving commands. We end up naked and ashamed. But the the problem intensifies. Look at verses 8 through 19, and we're going to move through these quickly. There there is a grave pain due to sin. But even here we we see just glorious glimpses of of God's grace. The first one there in verse 8 is that God seeks sinners. Adam and Eve sinned, and what does the Lord do? He goes seeking sinners. You know, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. You know, what what a glorious sound if if you're trusting in Christ. And in the cool breeze of the day, discussion, whether it was evening or morning, you know, there's a gentle breeze blowing. And where are Adam and Eve? You know, they're hiding. where Where are they hiding? They're hiding among the trees of the garden. You know, Calvin puts it this way, Adam here dreads the presence of God. 
You know, that, that's, that's the way we are as sinners. You know, here, the Lord God, a holy, righteous God, is pursuing Adam and Eve. And, and Adam dreads the presence of God. You know, sin separates us from the Lord God. You know, but this same Lord God seeks sinners. He speaks the first word. You know, and not to, to indict Adam, but to invite him, where are you? You know, I want to know where you are. Adam, now's the time to, to repent. And what's Adam's response? I heard, I was afraid, I was naked, I hid. You know, for those of you who have children, you always know when your children are in trouble because they're hiding. You know, where are you? And Adam is the first to play the blame game. It's not new. You know, it's a woman's fault. Uh, and even worse, he indicts God. God, you gave me the woman. So really, he's saying, God, it's your fault that I sinned. And the woman blames the serpent. No godly sorrow on, on, by either one of them. And God curses the serpent. There's the first promise of the gospel there, Genesis 3.15. Preached on this before, but, but if you've forgotten or were not here or like me, need to be reminded. You know, here's the promise. You know, that the seed of, of woman, which is Christ... Uh, would bruise the head of the seed of the serpent. You know, it, it points us to the cross. Christ will overcome Satan. And just to give you a, a couple verses, you know, a theme to follow through the Bible. Romans sixteen twenty. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Then again, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. You know, there's the hint of the gospel there. A gracious, glorious hint there in Genesis 3.15. You know, God does curse the sinners. He curses woman, pain and childbearing. There will be marital struggles. He curses Adam. Adam's curse is longer. He's more culpable. He's the, uh, the, the federal head. You can read about it in Romans 5. He was the one who received God's single command. He sinfully disobeyed. You know, and here we see the grave pain due to sin. I believe I quote this line from Joy to the World every Christmas season. You know, I love the, the Christmas hymn, Joy to the World. If you were to ask me my favorite, that would be at the top. And there's a line in there that, that, that convicts and comforts me. And the line is this, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. 
For as the curse is found, for as the curse is found, he comes to make his blessings flow, for as the curse is found. You know, that, that's what the gospel is. You know, yes, we see God's curse, God's righteous, his holy curse upon sin and sinners. But it was Christ who took that curse that was rightly due to us there upon the cross of Calvary. You know, it's no challenge today to convince guilty sinners of the grave pain of sin. You know it, I know it. Broken marriages, rebellious children, agonizing addictions, racial strife, conflict, yes, even in churches. You know, but but here is hope. You know, and if that hope needs to be reinforced, we see it there again in verses 20 and 21 of Genesis 3. And conclude with this. Here we see God's gracious plan uh, for the Savior. Two evidences of God's gracious plan for the Savior. If you like to take notes, a few things uh, we'll give here from God's word. You know, the first evidence of God's gracious plan is that God, that Adam named his wife Eve the mother of all living. You know, keep in mind that he named his wife Eve even before she was pregnant, expectant. You know, and who was their first son? Cain, Genesis 4, verse 1. And yet in faith, Adam could declare because of God's promise that the seed of woman would crush the head of the serpent. Yes, Eve is the mother of all the living, an act of faith. But then secondly, and more clearly there in verse 21, the Lord God made for Adam and also for his wife garments of skin. The Lord God clothed them. You know, Adam and Eve worked to make their own clothes. Now the Lord God, after resting from his work, remember he rested on the seventh day, and what's God's first work after that is making garments. For Adam and Eve. You know, three things here quickly to note about God's grace that give us hopeful assurance of salvation. First, the inadequacy of our own clothing. You can't earn your way to heaven, you you can't work your way to heaven. None of us will ever be that good, that righteous. Isaiah 64, verse 6, reminds us, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, like a fig leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. You know, if you're trying to earn your way to heaven by good works, You know, by giving blood, now we have the uh, approval to say Merry Christmas uh, this season. I was going to say it anyway. You know, we may do that good work of tipping the mailman, take it a step further, encourage you to even be nice at Walmart, long lines. You know, that person standing in front of you, the 12 
only 12 items and they've got 37, you know, you counted them. And you're not going to say anything. You're going to think it in your head, but you won't say anything. That's me. You know, we, we can't earn our way. Our, our clothing, our good works are inadequate. Secondly, God's gracious provision of garments of skin. That's the sacrifice of an animal chosen by God. Dare we say it, slaughtered by God himself. The shedding of blood. Third, God's gracious provision of Christ the Savior. As we hear that verse, think of John the Baptist crying out to Christ. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Think of Jesus' sacrificial death for your sins, for my sins on the cross. That his shed blood cleanses us from our sin. He paid the price for our salvation. Hebrews uh, chapter 9 verse 12 He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Jim Boyce preached 13 sermons on Genesis 13. A whole sermon just on this one verse, but this is what he writes. This incident, Genesis 3.21, is meant to point to Jesus as our only sufficient Savior and to his righteousness as our covering. You know, when God looks at us now, for those who are trusting in Christ, he doesn't see our good works, he doesn't see our fig leaves, he doesn't see our sinfulness, he, he sees the robes of righteousness of Christ. You know, there at the close, you know, God guards Adam and Eve from eating of the tree of life. And you'll see that tree of life, I believe, literally when we're in heaven. Read about it, Revelation chapter 22. Now, just two quick applications, beloved brothers and sisters. You know, and the first is this. See the hurting and hopeless ones all around you. You know, they, they may try to hide in the trees disguise themselves, you know, but there's hurting and hopeless ones all around us. Secondly, share God's message of hope in Christ. We have no other hope other than Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, thank you uh, for the powerful, precious truths of your word and Lord, we're convicted of sin and yet comforted again, Father, by Christ's redeeming love at the cross, the righteous one who died for us, the unrighteous ones to bring us to God. We thank you always for Jesus and for your gift of salvation. In Christ's name we pray, amen.